Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Table Manners for Robots. Excited, as always, to discuss business with actual real-life business leaders here in South Africa, giving us a very practical, on-the-ground experience. Uh, they speak from the heart. They speak from experience. They interact day-to-day -day with the challenges that we all face. And, you know, when, when, when we get someone to speak on the show, they always hear speaking from a uh, perspective of reality and truth. And that's what we love. That's what we enjoy. So I'm super excited to announce today's guest. It's still very much part of the Unite for Small series where we are looking at the plight of uh, small to medium businesses in South Africa. And we're looking at how we can help each other and act as a community to perform better and to do well despite trying times for business as a whole. Uh, so today we have, um, uh, we have David and Martin and I'm going to ask uh, each of them to give us some insight into their backgrounds. Let's start with you, David. Tell us a bit about your background. Yes, hi, Kirsten. Thank you. And hello to everyone, and thank you for attending today's webinar. And especially thank you for your time. You know, I've, I've grown up in the most incredible period and, and been part of this information and digital age since its very beginning. You know, I was fortunate enough to be a student at one of the few schools that had a computer and was part of their computer club from the very start. You know, we wrote programs on punch cards in COBOL, and it used to take us hours to finish just 100 lines of code. And we created Fibonacci number series and printed them out on 132 column continuous paper with a dot matrix printer. And we used enough power to run a small home for a year. It was cutting edge. You know, it was so time consuming, manually punching each of the cards with a combination of three or four buttons simultaneously. And, you know, if you made a mistake, you had to start all over again. There was no typics and word processes and integrated development studios were not even close to being developed yet. You know, I kept being drawn back to computers as I started a career in management accounts. But the company that I worked for uh, chose me to assist in their very first implementation of business software. And, and it was a big Big thing then, and I suppose, and it is, it's a big thing even to this day. You know, I ended up knowing more about the software than the supplier, and, and they used to bring their customers around for me to demo some of their more complex aspects. And I think it's really what, you know, it started when I started my company 30 years ago, uh, you know, as a result of, um, I was the IT manager, and I just wasn't happy with the way that my current employer was supporting their customers. And I say company, but it, you know, it was really just me out there all on my own. And, uh, you know, I worked my way up and, you know, to earning a partnership with Source Code, you know, supporting a growing, growing client base here in South Africa. And I, I just never looked back. You know, it was, it was, it, it was the, I think what the most important part was that I, I really enjoyed what I was doing and, and, and I still do. You know, GSD has become, a specialized boutique implementation and support and development house for ERP business software in the SME market. And yeah, we love our buzzwords and that, you know, that's a mouthful. But yeah, I say boutique because we have intentionally remained small and we continue to provide great and personalized support. Uh, we, we also enjoy doing the more complex and challenging implementations. And as a result, often manage to win customers for life. And I think that's an important aspect, to still have a human interaction, uh, even more so in the digital age. There's, there's nothing worse than, you know, trying to log a support call and speaking to a computerized system and, and not getting anything back. 
uh, human human interaction is 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 key. Mm-hmm. I really like that bit about uh, human interaction. Great background. Uh, you know, I think it's always nice to do a bit of a throwback, huh? I think that people <laughs> so easily forget what we have today yeah. at our disposal and, you know, the things that we take for granted. I mean, you know, the idea that if you if you um, lost something or you made a mistake, you had to start over and then uh, your your hours, if not days, are completely wasted. I think we totally take that for granted. We have control Z uh, undo at the at the literally the, the, the touch of a button. Yeah, yeah, yeah we, you know, we, I mean, we just I mean, take all this for granted. About- yeah, who knows about X on or X off? <laughs> we used to have to address the printer to print. You know, it was incredible. Yeah, yeah it was that's good awesome. stuff. That's great. Great background. <laughs> Thank you so much, David. Looking forward to what you have to share with us today. Let's uh, let's talk to Martin. Martin, tell us about your background. Well, thanks, KG. I'm also going to say hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us briefly. I'm Martin, and I've been with GSD for 15 years. I studied IT at the University of Johannesburg, Way back when it was still called Technicon Vidvatesrand. <laughs> My first job was in IT as a systems admin, supporting a mid-range ERP system. And I've been involved in, in ERP implementations ever since. It's quite interesting. Is It's on that very system that I worked on. I sort of progressed you know, through from systems admin to becoming a, a more sort of junior developer and so forth. And that's it's on that system that, in inverted commas, I met Dave because he came over, evaluated some of the code that I'd been writing and wasn't particularly complimentary of it. Um, <laughs> I won't quite use the words that he used with me, but we struck up a, a, a relationship, a friendship from there, and our paths over time you know, sort of uh, you know, crossed. And one day I saw an amazing product, an amazing ERP solution, and We'd always been talking about taking our skill set into the SME space. And with that, I got hold of Dave. Dave had already, you know, he'd founded Grenville Systems Development. And uh, I said, listen, man, we've, I've seen this fantastic product. And the, the uh, SAP Business One Partnership was then formed. I joined GSD to set up that SAP division in partnership with Dave. And, you know, we haven't looked back ever since. So so there you have it, short and sweet. That's awesome. That's super cool. Really good to, to hear some of that background and to hear some of your history of working together, guys. Um, so so let's let's start getting into the, the meat here. Uh, let's talk uh, South Africa. Let's talk business. So, David, as a uh, business leader, uh, you know, a business founder and owner, uh, what are your, some of your thoughts on the context of uh, South African business right now? Yeah, Christian, I, I always like to try and stay positive, um, you know, but at the same time, one has to be realistic. Mm-hmm. South Africa is currently facing some of its biggest challenges to date. Socio-political, economic issues remain a, a huge concern. Um, the COVID-19 lockdown, both here and abroad, continues to, to affect us all. Um, you know, thankfully, COVID-19 hasn't been as bad locally as, in, as envisioned. But I, you know, possibly due to our early and quick lockdown by President Ramaphosa, or, or due to us South Africans just being tougher and and more resilient, um, it is probably a bit of both. But it's certainly been a blessing, and, and and you know, it's a ray of hope in these difficult times. I think resilience and innovation is one of South Africa's greatest assets. You know, who would have thought of Elon Musk and and Tesla and the founder being now currently the second richest man in the world? 
And I think it's not only, I think the wealth is really just, just shows what he's managed to achieve. Um, you know, we're talking about going to Mars. Uh, you know, South Africa and, and, and we as a company, we've, we, you know, we've, we've always had the ability to work and support remotely. And, and, and this, this ability for us uh, has remained invaluable. You know, it's important to, to adapt and change the way one works and the way you think, you know, while still sticking to the basics and, 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 the, and the fundamentals. And that's why I think that, you know, good business software and systems are so important. That they remain pertinent today as, as, as much as they ever had. In fact, even more uh, important. Uh, but they must remain flexible and adaptable to change. Mm -hmm. I like that. I love the part about South Africans and our resilience. And I don't think we take time out often enough to recognize that as some, you know, as an actual tangible thing in South Africa, we do possess a resilience that's different. And we do have a culture locally that's, you know, that uh, predisposes us to overcome and to conquer. And I think that, uh, you know, I love that you're calling that out as a point. And maybe it is uh, a less spoken point. Um, you know, it's funny about uh, what you mentioned about Elon Musk. I mean, I think South Africans would be funny in that way. Huh? <laughs> when, we, when, when we're good, we're super good, you know. Um, like if you want to count uh, Gandhi as South African, I mean, he was a South African passport holder. And then, you know, you had Nelson Mandela. I Mandela, mean, oh, yeah. Exactly. So you have these names that are not just uh, big names. They're huge. They're known the world over. And then you have now an Elon Musk who's setting up for the moon like you say and you know super wealthy so it's like south africans this it's like if you're gonna go big you're gonna go big you know which i think is super cool all right so um uh, martin do you have any thoughts on the subject of remote work at this um um at this point you know um i think i might have just jumped down too fast there uh, let, 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 I, let me I back think... up a second. Let me back up a second here. David, before I move off you, let me, let, 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 let me um, get you to talk to us a little bit about remote work and then we'll go to, um, to Martin. Yeah, I, I think the, the fundamental is decent internet. Uh, you know, I think if, you, if, you're, not com if you're not connected, uh, there's nothing that you can do. Um, of course, good tools, laptops, headsets, a decent webcam uh, and business-grade software. Um, it, it, I think on, 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 on the other side, it's, it's important about to have a dedicated and a well-organized workspace. And when I say dedicated, what I mean to say is that if you're using the dining room table, you know, during that time, it should be dedicated to that task at hand. Um, your environment should mimic an office environment, just like being in the office. Uh, remote working shouldn't be mixed with home and relaxation. Mm. Uh, it's, it, it's good to work and it's good to relax. And mixing the two does it does neither well, and, and and both of them are equally important. You know, it leads to my last point, which is is really to have a good balance between work and home life, even if you know it's all now in the home, in the confines of the home. Mm, mm, interesting. So so now Martin, now I'm gonna ask you to jump in, and and tell us what what do you think? What are your, some of your thoughts on on remote work? Yeah, thanks, KG. I think foremost on everyone's mind, as Dave said, is is you know the topic of you know increased dependency on connectivity from a technical infrastructure perspective. You know, um, wide area networks, good comms, good bandwidth, and so forth. Mm -hmm. But it's not just about people being able to remotely access systems or systems that need to talk to each other. What's often overlooked is the need for better interpersonal communication when delivering projects and solutions remotely. Mm. With a significant reduction in on-site support and face-to-face -face interaction, 
we've got to get more focused on communicating clearly with each other across this digital divide. One way to do this is through the use of facilitating technologies such as remote control for knowledge transfer, online meetings, and screen sharing in order to maximize the effectiveness of this communication between people, you know, both internally within your organization, you know, as well as externally with your customers. In short, you've, you've got to make sure that you get your message across clearly, you know, using all of the tools available to achieve, you know, successful deliverables. It's interesting that over the years, you know, we've been happily going along gearing not just our delivery model to be predominantly uh, remotely based, but also we've embraced decentralizing our own operations and our, our workspaces. The result was that we've become well positioned to take on work beyond our borders. And when the unforeseeable lockdown came along, we were unaffected in our ability to deliver projects and services you know, during that period. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Um, uh, this is very, very good insight, I think, to look at this whole concept of remote work. I love what you say there about the people interaction. And I think that that aspect is not always discussed often enough. Um, this aspect about people interaction is so critical and finding ways in which we can replace that, if possible, or, or approximate some of those um, human interaction needs over a longer distance or via systems is, is, is going to be uh, very critical to success in a remote work environment. Um, so on that, uh, let's just uh, talk about some interesting client situations that you might have uh, run into over your time of uh, doing this kind of work, Martin. Yeah, geez, KG, there's so many. You know, um, you know in, in 15 years, you'll see quite a, quite a lot of interesting situations in implementing ERP software, specifically at SMEs. Um, the one occasion that, I, that does bring to mind we were sat across the boardroom table with the client and uh, he, he, the guy said to me, well, you've got to be able to come up with stock that we don't have. And I was, I was like bemused by this and, <laughs> and taken aback. We were dealing with an LP gas uh, implementation. And, you know, the thing is, is that LP gas in its, in its very nature, um, you know, can, can expand and contract depending on things like ambient uh, temperature and pressure and so forth. And it's this thing, this thing that affects it is this uh, concept called density factor. So what happens is a truck can go off to a refinery, pick up a, a load of gas, go on its milk run during its drops. And interestingly, it could end up dispensing more gas than it actually picked up. So here was this concept of we had to solve, you know, what happens when the truck gets to this, this last stop and it, ended up dispensing more LP gas than it actually picked up from the refinery. <laughs> I think some I think some other interesting scenarios, definitely in the fashion and apparel industry, you, one would think that this is a pretty constant theme, you know, that one fashion house operates in the same way as another fashion house or distributor, but it's not the case. Uh, one's view of uh, color, size, style, and how they package, and another's view of color, size, style, and how they package it too, could be completely different whilst you know, retaining the same fundamental backbone or concept. So fashion and apparel industry also very interesting for us with some, some unique uh, nuances uh, per customer.
Hmm. Interesting thing about the, those uh, nuances. Um, so before we go on to the next question, I'm going to just um, um, uh, appeal to our audience. Uh, it's great to have all of you on. Uh, as you know, the one of the best things about the show um, is the fact that you get to participate. You get to send your questions and comments directly to our expert panelists. So get involved. Um, it's super easy. Just go to the Q&A box and submit a um you know, a, a, a comment or a question, and I will ensure that we get through every single one uh, or to the best degree possible. If there's too many, we might have to do it after the show, but, uh, but we do our best to um, uh, address every single question or comment uh, through the show itself. So don't be shy, uh, get online, um, submit your thoughts and questions so that you become part of the show as much as possible. All right, so on that note, let's go to this concept of uh, nuances that um, Martin mentioned. So of course, every business has its nuance. So yes, you know, it's, it's, it's wonderful hearing these stories about gas and how, you know, uh, the product is producing itself in some respects, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's causing more of itself, which I think is really phenomenal. And uh, it's a concept of, of inventory management that I would never have dreamed of until you mentioned it. And then, you know, we have the fashion industry. And even though we think the fashion industry is pretty stock standard, it's a, it's a fairly old industry. It's been around for a while. There's, there's known best practices. It's interesting to hear that even inside that established industry um, with known best practices, you still have nuances and you have that wonderful um, concept of what I call a business fingerprint, your way of doing business, your flair, your creativity, your special touch. It's, it's important to recognize that, that as part of this human element of business that we bring to bear our own magic to our specific business. Even if it's a business that's part of an established industry, we have to know what our magic is. And I think, uh, you know, if we just think with that for a second, David, let's go over to you and tell us, you know, uh, I, I, I don't want to make it sound like it's a setup, but uh, like, why should businesses ensure that uh, their actual workflow is built correctly in their system of choice? Yeah, you know, workflow is the, is the crux of it. I mean, it, it, it's literally how work and business moves through and, 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 and how you... You, you match it to your your, your business uh, solution. And, and, you know, matching that flow to the business system really ensures a proper business process management. Um, it gives structure to those processes. Um, it ensures employee involvement and the establishment of, of, of clear roles and responsibilities uh, within an organization. Uh, organizational silos or departmental centers of knowledge become more integrated in, in the whole flow. Um, barriers are broken down that are, have often been created, and th and this results in much more uh, knowledge sharing within an organisation. There are clearer uh, identification and and much better alignment with a company's objectives, rather than just one individual's. Um, another aspect that's important in this is 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 measuring, and and being able to measure performance, which of course in turn uh, leads to continuous improvement. Improvements and, of course, new strategies can be easier and better managed and, and implemented. And, and, and those strategies are really important to, to a business and, it's, and, it's, and how it manages to survive. You know, very important is, is the realization of, you know, an enhanced and complete customer experience that can be achieved through all of this. It's it's really important to start focusing on an outside-in strategy, where where you focus more on your customer needs 
rather than a traditional inside out where you determine what and how it is that the stuff that you sell you know and of, and of course the most important compliance still remains a vital factor and uh, with properly uh, workflowed systems uh, they remain compliant mm-hmm. very interesting dimensions there and i like that you brought all of them uh, up uh, you know including the co- uh, compliance piece because um, I don't think anywhere, anyone will ever get away with saying to a regulator, hey, I used an out-the-box um, <laughs> workflow and uh, I didn't realize that it didn't meet all of the compliance requirements. So I think it's about taking responsibility for your workflow and understanding that no matter what system you buy, you can never rely on the system to manage your business. Unfortunately, that's still our job. That's still our responsibility. So um, great conversation there. I really like this. Um, let's... let's um, uh, you know, go a level deeper here. Um, uh, so, 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 Martin, tell us uh, what IT strategies do you think uh, a business should follow? KG, now more than ever, it's clear that businesses need to be digitized in all aspects. You know, from business management systems to HRM systems to online collaboration and so on. You know, we we see the need for a good business system to provide the foundation for the delivery of a digital strategy. And in regard to that digital strategy, I believe that there are are four imperatives that are key to an organization's digital strategy. And these imperatives are integration, innovation, intelligence, and interaction. I'll just go into a bit more detail about them. Integration is self-explanatory. You know, we're seeing the need to connect systems. We're seeing the need that you might have uh, your back office system that's all great at handling transactions, but you've got a very nice um, online shopping portal that isn't necessarily connected. And you want to connect it. You want this integration there because, for example, you need to be able to push up your your inventory levels, your stock on hand uh, quantities, for example. You want your prices, your product information, and that as soon as it changes in the back office, it should then integrate up into your web portal so that your customer's shopping experience is is maximized so that there is in fact stock on hand or not. You know, the worst thing, the last thing you want is for someone to be shopping for a product thinking that you've got availability, but you don't. So it, it's you're seeing integration between business partners, for example. You may um, interact with Takealot, for example, and you're wanting that order when a customer places it on Takealot for it to come directly into your SAP or you know whichever ERP system you choose. We like SAP, of course. So innovation is the next one. Innovation is definitely the next point. You're wanting your system to work for you and, it, and, and enable efficiencies within your organization to improve the throughput, to improve those customer service levels and then reduce the workload on, on your employees. Um, with a with a good custom development, for example, you know that's a great way of of taking you know high volume transactions, for example, and putting them through the system you know more efficiently without overburdening your people. Intelligence is a very important topic these days. We we all know of this this concept of business intelligence, and it has certainly come to the fore more so now than ever. And and the reason being is that people need to make business decisions. And those business decisions need to be based on accurate information, true facts, 
um, the availability, the time is availability of key performance indicators and in that to be able to uh, provide those decision, uh, um, decision support systems for business owners. Mm. So business intelligence, uh, vital in, in, in today's uh, um, um, computer marketplace. Interaction, the, the final one, interaction is about getting your people and your, your systems to interact mm. seamlessly. And so that that, that, that interaction um, enables people to, to enjoy their jobs. I mean, people have to be happy using the system. When people are unhappy using a system, they tend to end up being resistant. So we see the interaction between the human side of it and the, 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 the system side of it as being extremely important as well. And, and you know, that's why you need a good business solution that provides the foundation for all of these imperatives, as, as I've mentioned. Fantastic. Very comprehensive, um, uh, you know, explanation there. And I like this framework. I like the framework of those subheadings that you mentioned. I think it's very um, complete and it really allows you to see all aspects come together. Um, so taking into account now, um, David, what uh, Martin's just gone over with us, uh, what are the actual risks of buying off the shelf? Yeah, I think I think. The greatest risk really is, is, is it's so important to keep a company's uniqueness mm -hmm. um, and because a company's uniqueness is really the, their competitive edge. Mm. And as I discussed earlier about the importance of workflows being properly mapped with a business solution, this is where that aspect of uniqueness is incorporated into that business solution. Off-the-shelf solutions don't necessarily uh, allow for this differences or uniquenesses. And I think the biggest issue here would be, you know, the loss of flexibility and, of course, the innovation that comes by sitting down and analyzing current workflows. I, I just I, I can't belabor how, how important that process is, you know, as it focuses everybody on the issues at hand and it helps them to identify where and what are the actual problems within the business. No two businesses are the same. And there can never be one set of workflows that can work for all. Uh, you know, another way is really to say this one magical workflow solution. Uh, it, it, it doesn't exist. And, and, and it certainly doesn't exist in off-the-shelf software. Yeah. Forcing you to follow a predetermined set of rules can be pro problematic and, and, and I think highly risky. Very good uh, insight there. Um, you know, guys, I want to just also share some of my views. I, I happen to take this particular uh, topic um, quite seriously. You know, I don't want to necessarily uh, create this message that uh, buying off the shelf is always wrong or bad. I think that there's a time and place for everything, pretty much. And I think that uh, it's very important for business owners to recognize that, you know, sometimes, and speaking as a business leader myself, um, you know, there are times when I beat myself up quite a lot. And I think that um, business owners have a tendency to do that. We always think that it's being done better by another or it's being be done better outside of ourselves. And, and people know better, you know, there's this term called best practice and best practice almost implies that there's an industry best practice that's a little bit um, different from what uh, we know to be true within our business. And, and sometimes we neglect that our processes and our methods and our styles of doing things are hard won. 
You know, we've we've worked hard over many um, decades in some instances to accumulate the knowledge that we have. And that's why we use those methods. We use those methods because they work. Uh, they've been tried and tested. And, we, and we've learned through years that if we don't use those methods, that the business is going to, um, you know, experience some degree of harm or exposure or something's not going to work out right. So no matter the area, whether it's finance, whether it's HR, whether it's marketing, sales, uh, whatever, you know, or specifically in our area of operations where we deliver our product, um, the reality is that this institutional memory that we've accumulated over many years and this concept of, you know, where um, things are just randomly, um, you know, uh, changed inside a business because um, someone feels like we should um, you know, just change it or because the industry knows better, that is very short-sighted. So it is important mm. uh, to standardize across systems and it is important to, uh, you know, um, look at what's happening out there. But this idea or this notion that everyone else knows better about what should be done in your business, that I disagree with. And I think that we, it is our, it's incumbent upon our, uh, on us to, um, to really make our magic happen. It's incumbent upon us to really like... Um, uh, put our hum our humanness, our humanity, uh, our flair and creativity into our businesses, and 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 really bring that magic. Why are we in, in in business? Why are we doing what we do? It's because of our flair. It's about our magic. It's about that special spark that we bring. You know, you go and get a haircut, and and one person is cutting your hair a little bit different to the way another person would cut your hair, and it's because each person is bringing their magic to that job, and you're gonna go to that person that resonates with you, where there's that special fingerprint that that matches your fingerprint and it sounds a little bit hazy fazy but there's a lot of truth in it if you really inspect people are selecting you because of of that chemistry that exists between your organization and theirs so never abandon that and 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 if you go and buy off the shelf everything you, you bit by bit by bit you're becoming just a, yet another company or yet another business without a soul without a fingerprint without a mark without your special trademark of what you do so these are the things that I certainly take very seriously. I have here a comment from um, Komotsu. I'm going to read it out. Uh, Komotsu says, yeah, I support the uh, idea of outside in because I think we have to consider more of what the customer needs, unlike the inside out idea. So that was obviously in relation to some of the answers from early on. Great stuff, guys. So we're going to keep moving on. Keep those uh, questions coming through. Uh, put them into the Q&A box on Zoom. If you are uh, listening out on Facebook Live or YouTube Live or one of our live platforms, I think we're also on Periscope today, um, please send through your comments as well on, um, on those respective uh, platforms. We will pick it up and I will address them too. So Q&A box if you're on Zoom or just type it in wherever you're listening. All right, guys. So let's keep going here. Martin, let's go to you for a second. Um, is there any customer process um, or need that you haven't been able to get right? KG, I think we've got to be realistic here. You know, it's a it, it, business process in its very nature is affected by a myriad of factors. You know, not least of which is about people and their access to systems. Mm -hmm. You know, for instance, if the project budget is constrained and this results in certain employees not having access to the system or having to rely instead on some sort of manual procedure, then this can have a material bearing on the efficiency of that business process. We've certainly seen well-designed business processes being compromised by time-consuming and inaccurate manual steps sitting in between the faster and more proceduralized system transactions. So KJ, I might be going on a bit now, but this is what we've geared our ability to deliver around. 
We're mm-hmm. able to unpack complexity. We're able to understand at a fundamental level what our customers' needs are on the business process side of things and how this drives their success. So with this fundamental understanding, we come up with creative solutions that are robust, that are reliable and supportive of our, of our customers' key requirements. I think I'd also like to take this point to say that, you know, not every business requires a, a, a bespoke implementation or not every business uh, you know, has to look beyond off-the-shelf processes and stuff like that. There is a time and a place for a standard implementation and the, the, the use of the functionality that is provided by that business application. It's about deciding what's best for the customer and guiding the customer as much. Mm-hmm. So, so um, uh, Martin, quite an answer there. So, uh, uh, am I hearing correctly that uh, there there has not been a customer situation that you have not been able to get right? Kerishan, no. That's what we undertake. That's the commitment we 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 make to our customers, and we're realistic and upfront with them. You know, before before we even engage with that customer, we would like to know, and and we go through quite a thorough process with the client to understand what their needs are. And so we're getting their heads up as to whether the, the, the process or the requirement is achievable or not. Mm. And yeah, when the customer says, can you do this? We're pretty much sure by the time that they sign on the dotted line that we've got our ducks in a row and that we can deliver. All right, awesome. That's good. Uh, it's good to know that we have this talent resident right here in South Africa. I mean, it's not all the time. I think sometimes we just take for granted when we have uh, good talent and uh, it's something that's very hard to come by. So when I hear these things, I want to celebrate it. I want to make as many people aware of it as possible. Um, you know, not every business out there feels comfortable just buying a system and implementing it because we believe for whatever reason, right or wrong, that our special way of getting it done is going to be too difficult to get into a system. And and it's and it's completely acceptable to, to have that thought based on all the discussion we've had so far. You, you can see that it's legitimate when a person feels, hold on, I do things a bit differently or my I might do the bulk of the work in the same way, but there's like that 20% which needs to be done my way. And, and, and because of that, I feel I'm not comfortable to just go move onto some kind of generic system, you know? So I think that um, it, uh, knowing that we have good talent in our country um, who can get involved and like, who are bold enough to um, tackle the complex, tackle the, the unique and the bespoke and say with confidence, hey, we believe we can do it. I think that's really good for us to hear. All right. Um, again, uh, audience, um, let's, let's have some uh, questions, co- comments coming through. You can put it into the Q&A box. You can do it across the platforms. That's totally fine. Also, at around now, you should get uh, in the Zoom box, you should get a survey form. Uh, go ahead and start full, full, filling that out. I mean, we know when you're uh, done, but you can, you can just open that up and you can start giving us some of your thoughts and comments. If you'd like any uh, engagement after the session, if you'd like any one-to-one time, please just uh, request that in your, in your survey form and we'll be sure to follow up with absolutely every person who, who makes any such request. Um, you just have to hit the link in the chat box and uh, that'll take care of the survey. It's, it's literally a 30-second survey. It's mostly drop-downs. All right, let's go, uh, Martin. Let's keep talking to you for a second here. Um, you know, what 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 would you say to any client out there who believes that their process or their way of doing business is just so difficult and unique that no provider can actually solve their particular challenge? 
Um, Karishan, I'm, I'm going to give you a short answer on that. And that is <laughs> put us to the test. Hey, Dave, what do you reckon? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Martin, that's, that, that's great. Yeah, it's quite interesting, that question, because, I, you know, I don't know w- whether I've ever come across that scenario where somebody says, you know, they don't believe that we can do it. You know, they may ask a question, can you do it? But if I did come across it, I think I would, I would be concerned. And, and yeah. they may, pro- you know, it may possibly be true. Um, you know, I, I think the biggest problem comes here in, 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 in a customer asking, you know, can you do this? And, and then there's this oversell uh, or, 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 or the allowance of a bigger expectation and then the supplier actually failing to deliver on that. I, and I think that's where, these, where the issue comes in. You know, I think expectations are, are, are a really important uh, concept to manage. Um, and it's an aspect that needs to be clearly identified and understood and agreed by all parties so that, that, that it can clearly be said what is going to be delivered. And then I think the, the, the responsibility is on us then at that point to actually deliver on that promise. And I think when, when that doesn't happen, that's, that, that's when there are, there are serious issues. Mm. So then it comes down to good expectation setting and making sure that, um, you know, as a supplier, that you're being as open and honest with your uh, customer as possible, saying what can be done, saying legitimately what cannot be done, and really like um, playing um, open cards as early as possible so that no one's left right. pointed. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's good. That's a very uh, healthy approach. Uh, so, so on that, let's let's take it a step further, and let me ask you a, a little bit of a challenging question here. A lot of people uh, <laughs> believe that, of course, with any with, with a big budget, you can solve any problem. You know, you can bring in the best of the best developers. You can, uh, you know, buy integrations. You can invest in even more technology. So, with a with a huge budget, you can do just about anything. So, let's let's tackle the elephant in the room here, uh, Martin. Perhaps let's start with you. Is 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 customization as expensive? as we think it is. KG customization needn't be ex- as expensive as people think. And in fact, good customization or let's call it development adds huge value to a business that far exceeds the cost of that customization. Mm-hmm. The problem is that dev- development out there is often not done right. And this leads to a reduction in the success of that end product. We've got a different approach. We have a very specific and tightly controlled internal approach to custom development. We do the development cycle ourselves end-to-end internally, from the initial business analysis all the way through to rolling it out and handing it over to the client. Clear and constant communication throughout this process is extremely important, and we are agile in our ability because, you know, the funny thing with development is you can come up with the greatest spec up front in the world. And then as you're going along, between you, the technology, and the client, things change. The customer might, for example, see an opportunity to enhance that particular uh, requirement that will give them a further edge. The important thing is that because we're, we're so closely knit at GSD, and that everyone communicates so clearly, we're able to rapidly alter that specification, communicate it clearly, and keep everyone on the same page. So it's this, again, to reiterate, this clear and constant communication that gives us um, 
this this edge in our in our ability to develop. Uh, also, this the concept of customization in itself is a broad topic, because modern business applications, you know, afford varying degrees of customizability. You know, ranging from the simple to the complex. Uh, customization can be as basic as adding a user-defined field. It can be writing a custom uh, a custom written alert, um, some clever operational reporting, you know, and then you go on to the the more complex bespoke developments. Um, the key is to show and and understand when to use which to the customer, you know, and and guide the customer on this process. And we're very good at this. At our core, we are a development company, hence our name, and we do custom development for our customers on a regular basis. In that, we're very clear with our customers when it comes to doing such development in terms of unpacking the value and the, the functionality that it's, it's going to provide and, and add to their business relative to the investment required. And as a result, our customers, they recognize this and appreciate. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm going to hand over to Dave and he can expand on this further. Okay, cool. Yeah, Martin, you know, everything that Martin said is is, is so true. Um, I, I think also what's important is that, you know, expensive is a relative term. Customizations by their very nature are often highly bespoke, uh, meaning that they're different and they're unique. And they're mostly one-offs uh, with, with limited reuse by other entities. So... Uh, Proper development done by competent developers based on their time comes at a cost, especially if that cost can't be shared out. What should always be evaluated is what is the return on that cost spread out over the over time, you know, five years, 10 years, because that's what's so important to the company. And obviously, if you can't warrant the expense, then, then don't undertake that customization. And, and this should always be taken into account, and, and often it's not. And, mm. and then the next, you know, the next biggest problem comes in trying to do the development under cost and cutting corners. You know, and this can actually, you know, result in an even worse problem, where something, you know, costs a whole lot of money, and then it doesn't work, or even, you know, it even causes more problems than it was trying to solve. You know, in my view, development should never be taken lightly. You know, a lot of thought should go into it as to why you actually need it. Is it warranted? And and then, of course, yes, it gives you know it gives in, an, an incredible edge. Uh, I think I think they are important. You know, they have their place. And we talked of uniquenesses and special special things that you offer, and and all of those bring great value. Mm -hmm. Very important points. And I think that my usual response to this question of, hey, do you think um, customization <laughs> is expensive? Well, try not customizing. Try using something completely bland uh, off the shelf and see how much that costs you. Think about how much you lose. Think about how much of your particular wisdom that you've acquired through the, the years is now no longer being put into use. So isn't that far more costly? So, um, yeah. so great, great comments there, guys. I got a, 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 a comment here from Fatima Davids on the call, and it says, I supply chemicals, janitorial and PPE items to all sectors in the industry. I started off doing a lot of manual work. However, as my business is busy scaling, I am faced with how to do this. 
I am faced with insufficient systems. I need help, please. What can the panel suggest? Can I connect with someone after the session? So to respond um, to Fatima, absolutely. Uh, we'll be uh, happy to have a conversation with you after this um, the session. Uh, we will facilitate that. Uh, feel free to go ahead and complete uh, the, the, the survey form. And if you complete the survey form, just just indicate your intention to have a follow-up conversation and we will contact you and uh, and facilitate that. Great to have your, your interest and feedback there, Fatima. Uh, a note to everyone on the call, great opportunity to engage with really strong panelists who really have a lot of wisdom and a lot of good insight for us. If you have questions, if you have thoughts, if you have concerns, if you have worries, just put them into that box. I will read it out. I'll make it easy on you. And then uh, we'll get some good feedback to your comment, uh, to your questions. All right, let's move on here. Um, so we, we've had some good uh, discussion so far. We've looked at the price point. We've looked at the fact that this, uh, you know, often there's a lot of thought in the market out there that, hey, you big, you buy one of these big burly systems, you know, uh, there's all these sentiments, you know, you're buying a big SAP system and it's going to cost you a whole lot of money because you're going to have to do all of these customizations and then you get a de developer on site or you get the developer sitting at the at the supplier and they're just going to go on for hours and hours and hours and the bulls are just going to keep going up 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 so you know honestly i think it's important that we start confronting these things that a lot of these urban legends had some truth and relevance at a point in time but as we were doing a bit of throwback early on the uh, on the call, a lot has changed. Forget about the last 20 years. A lot has changed in the last two years. A lot has changed in the last year. So when we really look at it, the, the, the playing field that we're operating in is fundamentally different today. And we have to now go and test the waters, ask questions, get involved. Let's not be operating with these old notions and ideas that it's too expensive or too, too big or it's going to just take forever. Let's talk to the right people. Let's get advice from the actual yeah. experts. Let's figure out in the here and now, is it something that is a, a deal breaker or can we actually get it done? Something that could not be done two years ago can be done today in an inexpensive and a super quick, for, uh, a super quick way. We just have to be asking the question to the right person. The only time it's going to um, cost too much or take too long is when you're dealing with the wrong people when you're dealing with incompetent people or people who are making promises that they cannot actually deliver on. That's the danger. So we're going to keep going here for a bit. Um, we have um, a comment from, um, from Dumi. Uh, Dumi says, agree with the comment around cutting corners in an effort to reduce costs and meet the budget. In the long run, the approach is actually detrimental and causes even bigger issues than those that the project <laughs> starts off trying to address. The intrinsic value of a solution needs to be evaluated broadly in terms of actual value, efficiencies, new revenue streams, etc. that the solution will bring about. Absolutely. So it's important to, to really like uh, bring to bear um, a holistic view of the solution. Um, Dumi continues to say, I used to be a motorbike enthusiast while trying to buy a helmet and really uh, putting my sales skills to the test, trying to negotiate a good price. I recall the salesperson asking me, how much is your head worth to you? He said that the fundamental question you should ask uh, yourself. And, and I think that's a great example of like looking at a solution and asking the right question. If you think that's expensive, what's the price of not doing it? What's the price of not having that thing? You know, is that going to be cheaper to you? So great input there. Thank you, um, Dumi, for the for the contribution. Um, so we're going to we're going to move on now to another uh, tough question. Um, so, so in the here and now, Martin, what should 
prospects or clients expect from their service providers? KJ, I'm going to think of this in, a, in, in sort of bullet point form. Um, what they should expect is support, assistance and help. They, um, they ought to expect good product knowledge and customer service. Customers should also expect from, from their um, solution provider uh, good industry experience. I think that's, that's very important. Um, the ability to think strategically, to, uh, uh, to be able to understand the customer's needs and requirements, uh, as well as their particular um, you know, business direction is, is, is very important. And I think together with all of that, their partner must be able to innovate whilst being able to manage expectations and being real. You've got to be real, open and honest with your customers. Mm, 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 mm. And I think that that's the, that last point cannot be overestimated. I think that um, too often we get um, uh, people running around um, telling tall tales, making huge promises, and I think really testing the integrity of your supplier and holding them to account accordingly is critical. Um, you know, these are big decisions and these are long-term partnerships. I mean, we, we, we work, we're moving into a world where we're not just signing on on a once-off capital expense basis. We are, uh, we are, we are signing up for a long-term partnership and, and, and being able to evaluate the chemistry and the quality of partnership right up front is super, super critical and not just um, jump in with someone who just sounds good um, you know, uh, through one conversation. It's, it's really about assessing and testing the relationship and the strength of the relationship over the longer term. Great stuff, guys. Um, uh, again, as we um, uh, you know, start approaching the, the close of the session, um, I mean, we, 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 we're 10 minutes away, so um, we still have a little bit more to cover here. But I invite you to become part of the conversation still. Um, you know, put, put forward your comments, questions in the, in the feedback or in the Q&A box. And don't forget to complete your surveys. These are vital to us. We take the feedback very seriously. We're always looking to improve the show, make it better, make it more relevant and valuable to you. So please go ahead and complete a survey for us. It's going to take you less than 30 seconds. So we're going to keep going here for a bit. Um, so tell me, um, let's, let's, let's go to David here for a second. How, how do we make uh, company, companies more competitive? You know, Kirishan, you know, apart from the obvious, and of course it's, it's very important about keeping costs down. I think, I think all of this, the cost of software and the cost of implementation, uh, yes, it's very possible in the SME market to implement good software um, at, a, at a good price. Um, it doesn't have to, you know, uh, be un, unachievable, you know, come at this huge cost. And, and you know, when we talk about competitiveness, uh, you know, we've already spoken about things like workflow and strategies and compliance and innovation. But I, I think the biggest thing is is to assist in, in, in a company having the best software and the most reliable systems possible. And it's, in, it's also important to keep a com in all of this, in this digitization, to keep a company's uniqueness and flair because it is the differentiator. Um, specialized development, you know, is often... Uh, takes this to the next level and it forms yeah. a very important aspect um, but it's not always and should not necessarily need to be the case mm, absolutely and i like that you brought in uh, the concept of the flare piece because you know 
when we think competitiveness, we, we, we tend to lean over you know, on the point about efficiencies and about pricing and about making sure that we're offering more for less. That's what competitive has become equal to. And I think that there's that that other element which is less spoken about, which is what is our magic? I mean, the, the ultimate answer to competitiveness is to stand out and is to bring to bear something that you do that few others can. And that is the ultimate answer to competitiveness. Of course, efficiencies are going to be, uh, you know, important. Like we can't be, we can't survive if we're becoming less efficient. So we have to keep the efficiencies going. But we have to bring to bear our our differentiator. We have to bring to bear our magic. And I think that the fact that you called that out is is, is excellent because that is, in fact, to me, one of the most important elements of um, competitiveness. Um, so, so Martin, let's talk to you for a second. Let's get um, some very practical advice now at this point um how do we how do we manage inventory right kg um i'll start off with saying that you've you've got to enrich your your stock master data in your system with as much meaningful and measurable information as possible you know for example you, you want to be able to record your minimum and maximum stock levels at an item level you've You've got to maintain those those order lead times on a regular basis. You, you've got to be able to capture and manage those shipping methods, you know, and, and 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 also enrich the data with as much of your item data classifiers as possible. And I'll get into why this is important. You know, the all of what I've just mentioned, these can then be used in planning functions such as MRP, you know, materials requirements planning. And also in analysis tools, such as our inventory analytics model, to ensure that you, you buy the right stock the right, in the right quantities, to satisfy predictable levels of demand, and to ensure that you do so on a timely basis. Also, you know, when it comes to dead stock, you know, dead stock ties up capital. You need to identify it and sell it, even if it's at reduced margins in order to generate cash flow. Um, Dave, you've got great insights into inventory management. So at this point, I'm going to hand over to you. Yeah, you know, Martin, obviously inventory management is a, is a very important aspect, especially with, a, as you mentioned, the large cost and, and, and tie up of money. And some interesting things is really, if you think over the years, businesses have been getting better and better at truly optimized production technology. And, you know, keeping those inventory levels down. But then COVID came along and, and, and had a huge impact on supply chains around the world. You know, who would have thought? Um, you know, most certainly the most important part is being able to control and know what your inventory is together with your demand forecasting and reordering. Still being, you know, important parts of that managing that inventory cycle. Um, providing the right reporting management tools, I think, remain the most important aspect of all of this. Yeah, indeed. And I think that, um, you know, this whole, um, um, the, the fact is that in the past, if we, if we felt we could get away with just knowing or having a good feel about um, our business and knowing what's there and what <laughs> isn't, if we felt we could cope, maybe we could have, maybe we could have in the past. It's just that unfortunately now with the, with the pressure of the recent months and the massive, massive change that has occurred in the year 2020, which people haven't fully understood. And I'm pretty sure when the year is about to end, everyone's going to have a moment where they go, wow, this planet is a different planet Earth. 
things have changed substantially <laughs> in this year. Hmm. And at that moment when that hits you, whether you're standing at the beach and it's New Year's Eve 2021, um, whenever it happens, be sure of one thing. Recognize for your future that this is a different tomorrow and the way in which we do business has to align or we should sign out. Because the reality is doing business by the feel of our hand, not going to work anymore. We've got to have systems. We've got to have visibility. We've got to have transparency. I want to make sure that we touch on the cash point, the money point. A lot of people are interested in the money point. So I want to touch on that before we move on. Let me just um, address a question or a comment that came through here from uh, Sitem Biso. Uh, Sitem asks, can we get the recordings? Um, absolutely, uh, Sitem Biso. You can just visit uh, tablemannersforrobots.com. And if you visit uh, tablemannersforrobots.com, you will get directed to our YouTube channel. And in fact, you can just watch the videos right there. Um, so go ahead and um, check that out. And of course, uh, complete a webinar feedback link. Um, just go ahead and complete that. It's going to take you 30 seconds. And if you do, uh, we'll be able to even give you more insight if you need. You can make some special requests over there. So that's great. So guys, let's talk uh, money as we start wrapping up the show. Guys, we haven't wrapped up the show yet, so stay with us until we do. Um, let's talk cash for a bit. Um, any tips, um, David, as, as a strong business leader, any tips for managing <laughs> cash flow? <laughs> yeah. Well, I can tell you is I spend it wisely. Um, buy software. <laughs> of course. <laughs> look, look, I'm an IT guy, and I think maybe I should stick to that. Uh, you know, working capital is by its very name intended to be spent, and, mm. and it probably shouldn't be used to buy the latest top model sports car. Um uh, I think, you know, it should be used to increase support and improve your company. And, and any successful company needs to have a solid operational base. And there can be no better return than investing in good software. Mm -hmm. I like the fact that you say working capital is uh, by, its, by its definition. And if you look at what it's meant to do inside a business, it is, in fact, uh, quite correctly money that is meant to be spent. It is working capital. It's capital that's meant to be working for the business. So I, I like that because it makes me feel better about um, about spending money. <laughs> um, having said that, I do agree that, um, you know, being prudent and being smart about where we put those uh, rands or dollars is, 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 is ultimately the mark of a strong leader versus someone who will not necessarily steer the ship out the storm. So it's really down to that decision factor the guy who's able or the, the guy and by guy i mean the man or the woman who is uh, making a good decision regarding how to spend those dollars to make more dollars for the company and 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 really investing in good systems that going to get that's going to give good transparency give better order make create better efficiency bring the best out of people those systems are in fact going to for the longer term bear fruit and bring rewards so that's great i like i like our alignment on that one um david um so, so maybe we should do uh, one more on money before we wrap. We have only a few seconds left, but maybe you could give us some quick insight here. Um, you know, should we be spending money um, at a time like this? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we see it. The successful companies are the ones that continue to spend the most. And, and it's not really about spending the most either. The important thing is, is, is sort of investing in good software and understanding that you need to continue to invest in IT to maintain and keep that competitive advantage. A good business software continues to provide the framework and to be the enabler to doing business in the best possible way. 
you know, it allows you to measure and continuously aim to improve on what it is that you do. And, and this is really important. It's, it's not about the amount of money that you spend, but it's about the need to continually spend on IT. Mm-hmm. And I often say that if you're going to spend 10 rands to make 100 rands, you'll find a thousand such rands to spend. So you get the same ratio of benefit yeah. back. I mean, the ultimate question is always going to be what's what's making you money back in tangible and in intangible terms? What's making you money back? And of course, if it, if you're getting a whole lot of money, you're getting a whole lot of value back. It makes no sense not to spend. It, in fact, becomes costlier not to spend. So that's a very important viewpoint in the subject of money. So on that note, guys, uh, we're going to have to start wrapping at this stage. I feel we've had a super fun show. I've really enjoyed dialoguing with our guests. Uh, it's been a fantastic experience for me to just learn from these different perspectives and viewpoints, as I always do on the show. Really enjoyed the audience engagement. In fact, we've had Alden um, say in the chat box here, great session, uh, KG and the team. So um, definitely s- some good feedback going. Guys, if you have not completed your survey forms, please go ahead and do so. It's only going to take you 30 seconds and it's very valuable to us. Um, and then uh, just to close out, I want to say thank you to both of our esteemed guests. Thank you so much for taking the time out and sharing your expert- expertise and your insight. Really, really been fantastic having you on the show. Thank you, guys. And with that, we're out. Thanks, Kate.